0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature.
1: It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Douglas Rasslin podcast, I do want to let you know Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are without a doubt my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. Superior quality and sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately. You can put them together. Do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencast ZenCaster.com. That's Z E N C A S T R. For all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just wanted to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones, all your needs there online for communication, ZenCaster has you covered. That's right. Look at what we have here, folks! To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling.
0: And there is no one that does it better
1: than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
0: How you doing? My name is Brandon. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Pleased to meet you.
1: Let me tell you something. This is a thing that I've, I've learned how to do uh, fairly recently, over the past year. And I know, folks, the listeners of Duke Loves Wrestling, they probably have noticed the format change slightly in this regard. I'm having my guests introduce themselves uh, because they oftentimes will introduce themselves totally different from what someone else would choose to say. So you just introduced mm-hmm. yourself as Brandon. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because most people don't know you as Brandon. Most people know you as something else. Why did you introduce yourself as Brandon?
0: You just said as if they're a stranger. I'm not that arrogant to introduce myself as low-key, unless it's in the proper setting.
1: We we hear a lot from pro wrestlers about having challenges with identity. Uh one of the one of the mm-hmm. most glaring examples that I can remember fairly recent was Sasha Banks who, Mm -hmm. you know, she took some time away from the WWE and and during a documentary she talked about the fact that she hadn't heard her own name, her real name, in years. And it was affecting her from a psychological standpoint. Mm -hmm. How are you able to navigate those waters?
0: Well, because I understand there's a separation of those worlds. The problem everybody's doing now is they're blending them. I've always protected my personal life. That's what we're supposed to do. But that's not what these people are doing. What you're seeing now is the, the motivation focus is different than my generation. My generation, we had to fight the Attitude Era and the ECW generation. So we had a lot to compete with all walks of life but everybody got busy now what you're seeing is a lot of imitation and a lot of playing and that's not fair because these are still people i have the highest experience and the lowest experience because i've lived this so i'm not posing i'm displaying it's a big difference what you're seeing now is a lot of uh, imitation or mimicry and in this craft it takes a long time to get seasoned, and you have to have the right type of uh, experience. And it's it's much, much different now, especially with what you see. But these are still people, so you want them to do the best that they possibly can. And from an internal standpoint, the standard is not the same as it was in the past.
1: You, you know, I, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear who they know of as low key, you, Brandon, to hear you accurately describe where the industry is at right now and the people within it right now Mm -hmm. and and critiquing that based on your experience, who you are, what you've accomplished, you've earned the right to, to have a voice, to critique it. But at the same time, you're bringing it back to the point. Remember that these are actually people so mm-hmm. you're not robbing the person of their dignity as a human being, mm-hmm. while at the same time finding no. a way to critique their work. What is it about most of society today where it it just seems like what you just said is rare? Most people can't separate the two. They feel like they have to devalue the person in order to make mm-hmm. a point. How are you able to 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 separate the two even within that?
0: I'm all in. We spoke about this off mic. You said, yeah, you can look at somebody and know they're all in. A lot of what you're seeing out there, they're not all in. They're talking about it. And when it comes time to show and prove, they're below what they're talking about. So lowering the standard is not doing anybody any favors. When you deal with somebody who's constantly improving, oh yeah, you're going to get real nervous. Especially if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I was in an era of legends at my size, and I'm not a Rey Mysterio. So I had to cut my teeth against killers, the ones that everybody's watching on video now and were back then. So I know my craft because I'm physically experienced to do it. So I don't need to talk in mysterious stories to try to come back to a point being made. I tell them the truth. I've done it myself so I don't have to create any stories or misleading direction just to pull them back to a point I can tell them like it is and it's up to them whether or not they're accepting of the truth it's funny how the truth keeps bothering people but the people who actually understand how to deal with it look at how they advance
1: I wonder about something because you you said something about someone who's constantly improving from Mm -hmm. a physical standpoint because throughout your career low-key you have been in some battles. You've given a lot. You've taken a lot. Definitely, it's a, a, a wrestling style and a martial arts style that can beat the hell out of the body. From a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. how are you holding up these days? How do you feel?
0: Much older. <laughs> <laughs> Much older. Yeah. Well, but I'm also, I, I train intelligently. I had to learn the hard way how to take care of your body. Plus, I had a lot of good examples around me coming up. And the older generation guys from the 90s and the 80s, their bodies were beaten up. The last thing I want to do is repeat the same problem. When I first went to Zero One in 2002, first day I was there, first thing I did, look at the old guys or the the legends from, from us watching them. Look at how their bodies are holding up. A lot of them had knee injuries. So for me to pay attention to that, I knew what I had to do physically by paying attention to the physical machinery. The Japanese, their work ethic is super high. So for me to compete over there, I had to hold my own. And it's, it's an all-in attitude, but I'm around killers. The, the heads of the company were Shinya Hashimoto, who was the king of destroy and one of the biggest draws during the 90s for New Japan. And then Toshiaki Fujiwara, and he's the master of catch in Japan. And he's a disciple of Karl Gotch. These are the guys I'm around at my size. And I'm getting crossover of guys from Pride in the the environment. We had Kevin Randleman. We had uh, Mark Coleman at one point. The guys I'm around, these are killers. The guys fighting in Pride. So I got to hold my own to make sure that I can't be uh, getting killed out there. So I had to make sure my physicality was equal to or better than. And because my conditioning was, was on a higher level than a lot of them, I could outlast them. That's what I did. I had to be ferocious at my size to make sure I wasn't accumulating bad damage. So my physical strength had to be at the Olympic level. And that's that's the kind of level of physicality that I was around. We had noya Ogawa, who is an Olympic judo, uh, judo player or judoka for, I think, 92 or 88. I'm in an environment full of Olympians. Akebono. Akebono, I wrestled him in, in 2013 in All Japan. That's where I blew out my knee. I was outweighed by 400 pounds. I'm going against Olympic-sized, the biggest of the big and I got to be able to last because the ability to get damaged is super high. So my physicality is always being maintained. I still swim. I still work out. I still train my kids. I still perform. This is, this is a full commitment. Why? Because the machine doesn't go off when the red light goes off. You got to live with this. So you got to be very, very intelligent about your machine how does somebody at my size last as long at this style?
1: That's a great question. And just to to give a little history lesson real quick for some of the younger listeners out there, um, Pride, Pride Fighting Championships, at one point it was the number one mixed martial arts company in the world. Uh, UFC was having financial woes and they were being shut down here in the United States. People were calling it human cockfighting. So UFC had lost Mm -hmm. their footing. And pride which was based in japan they had the best pound for pound mma fighters in their promotion and they were putting on some great matches i mean you, you just heard uh, low-key names some of the folks marked the, the the hammer coleman and and uh the beast uh Ke- kevin randleman um they had some some badasses there so zero one which is a wrestling promotion that also mixed in some mixed martial arts. You had these MMA guys Mm -hmm. come into the promotion, and these were, for lack of a better term, worked shoots. So even though there may be some predetermined things going on here, you had guys beating the hell out of each other in that ring.
0: Mm -hmm. These guys are trained. If some of the matches are going to be predetermined, because some of them weren't, these guys are still trained. So I'm in an environment of guys who are physically trained to fight. Fujiwara at his age was, I think at that time he was in his fifties. And I think my, one of my, my first matches in zero one was a tag match after I, uh, after I became champion and it was with Steve Carino against Fujiwara and a young boy. And I started off with Fujiwara and he tapped his knee As if, go ahead, you want to take my leg? So I shot in for a single leg. When I shot in for the single leg, he sprawled, but he took my arm with him. And it was one of the funniest things because I was like, he got me. He baited me and he got me. This old son of a bitch, he he baited me and got me. And he caught me in a good position, extended my arm with his leg. And he took me in a half crab and then... (laughs) with his uh, extremely powerful jaws, decided to bite my toe. Um, And he bit so hard that he went through my my shoe and two pairs of socks and still left a ring around my foot.
1: Today's generation of wrestler will never understand what you just said there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the fun part about what we do. We do it at such a high level, it's mastery. And it's not because we say so, it's because we can physically articulate it.
1: Damn right. Damn right. What a what a story. And that was your first that was your first night at Zero One.
0: Well, it was one of my first matches after I, I beat uh, Spanky. So it was a tag match, but it was in a country town. And just me being as trained as I was at that time, he tapped his leg, like, Go ahead, you want to take it? Go ahead, take it. I'm like, All right. And I went for it and I got caught. Foolishly. <laughs>
1: That is something. 52 years old, and and, and the old man still got it. That's, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, I I wonder about something, because let me dial it back to a couple years. Let's say somewhere around 97, 98, I'm reading the newspaper, and the story pops up about this new wonder drug, Oxycontin, and how this was going Mm. to be the thing that was going to take all the pain away it had a time release formula and it was going to be safer than all the other types of painkillers and et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff. And I, and I remember even as a, as a kid reading that and saying to myself, damn, if, if that gets abused, that's going to be a real problem. And I'm here in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. i here in Boston. Fast forward to today, okay. we still have an opioid crisis that is just gripping and tremendous. And even kids from You know, my old town where I went to high school and what have you, so many of them have lost their lives to the addiction to the opioids and things of that nature. But let me bring it into wrestling for Mm -hmm. a second, because there were a lot of people within the generation before you and even generations after you and certainly within your generation who were also gripped by the hand of the opioid crisis, addiction and what have you. And and listen. It was a lot of pain, man. There's, there's, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that you folks have put your bodies through in order to entertain us. It's something else. For you personally, have you ever had a situation where you may have been going down that road? If so, how did you handle it? If not, how did you avoid falling into those trappings?
0: No, I never got into the pills or anything like that. It was the whole idea behind training. Your body's strong enough to tolerate. It doesn't mean you're not going to be uncomfortable. You're going to develop mileage. You're going to develop, you know, wear and tear just because of what you're going through. But the higher you're trained, the higher capacity you can perform. This is Olympic level. So if you're doing that, your body's going to be able to tolerate it, but there's also technique involved. It's just like martial arts. You got to understand how to protect your body with what we do. It's not a game the attitudes that you see, you can see the disrespect towards one another because they're disregarding the physicality. This needs to be technically sound. If you want to do this a long time, let alone do this at the highest level, the highest level, there's nuance that you only get from experience. And that's not necessarily what you're getting today. Why? Because they're physically not trained or as disciplined.
1: I mean, you see it on TV. You see what these kids are doing. They're dropping each other on heads. They're they're putting themselves through tables. They're <laughs> you know, the 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 injuries are piling up from a general perspective. Do you like what you see in terms of the wrestling product of 2022?
0: No. And not a, in all fairness, I don't watch a lot. It's what I experience firsthand. There's people who are all in and then there's everyone else. So that's the 99% versus the 100%ers. The 100%ers, that one that 1% difference is similar like what they say about the genetic relation between humans and, and uh, chimps. There's a 2% difference genetically. Well, that 2% gap is, is pretty big of a difference. With what we do, you have to be so committed because making mistakes can total up real quick. Because you're using your body for this. On top of that, what people don't see is the mental stress that comes along with it too. A lot of what you see is immature minds being showcased. That's not proper for, for the TV level. So if that's being allowed, then that's a problem because there should be a degree of competency, what you're getting on TV. If it looks like it's weak, it's either those people are incompetent or the people who are hiring them, they're taking advantage of them because that's not fair. You don't want them to go out there and increase the risk. That's why I hated the, the the way that they treated the girls for NXT and WWE on season three. Why? Many of them were too underprepared physically to do this line of work. You don't stick them out there. And then some of them were getting hurt, getting you know, dumped on their heads. So there's a physicality requirement to do this really well. And that whole fake it till you make it, I hate that saying. I always have. Why? Because you ain't got to fake it if you know what you're doing. So, you know, the last thing we want is people just mimicking the same bad behavior, doing it over and over again. There's no need. Not now. Why? These are people. So somebody's using them. Somebody's using somebody.
1: That's a theme within your philosophy, from a general standpoint. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to say something. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But you seem to detest the notion of people using people and, and and people not being prepared to be in the positions that they're in and and therefore putting their safety and the safety of their whoever's in the ring with them at jeopardy mm-hmm. where, where does this come from this this notion of you not really having a stomach for this type of stuff because quite frankly the wrestling industry it's prevalent in the industry as far as let mm-hmm. me use you up and ride you into the ground. And then, you know, when I can't get more out of you, I'm going to get somebody else to replace you. And that's that's the, the cycle, so to speak.
0: There's a reason why I always stand out because I'm breaking them. What I did in, in MLW from 2018 to 2020, was I was grooming people, it wasn't asked of me, but it was because people need guidance, especially when they're in an environment where they're being used. So I've earned people's respect. That's one way of doing it. But physically knowing what you're doing and be able to articulate it to get them to do their best. That's what a real leader does. There's so many people who want to be bosses because they can't do this. A leader can do it from top to bottom. So what I did was I led by example. At my size, MLW world champion, but with the ferocity of an Olympian. I set the tone for everybody, but I was building them with me. Everywhere that I've gone... I've built with other people. Why? Because there's a competency level that's required to do this. What you're seeing now is a lowering of the standard and it being accepted on a larger scale, which is then in turn being showcased. They don't know any better. They're using this as an opportunity, but they should be technically competent to protect themselves. What's happening now is not the same as what happened in 2002 with me in Ring of Honor or me in... uh, TNA. We were heavily trained at that time. And you have to have the attitude to go out there and get get busy. That's not what you're seeing. What you're seeing is the the psychological yearning for attention. And if that's happening, they're not there for the right reasons. You want attention? Get to work. Otherwise, shut up. I understand this environment in and out because I've lived it at a high level. I wasn't accepting the low levels that I saw around me, so why is that being allowed now? There's more people at risk now because of underpreparedness. you don't want to put them out there for them to get hurt. you want them to go out there so that they can really really shine.
1: There are a lot of women you know mm-hmm. from the from the past from the present, some who are still training now and they're going to be the future mm-hmm. I was very surprised to to come across this because it it <clears> runs <throat> counter to what your quote unquote reputation is in the industry. Because look, let's let's just you know I'm not going to play games here. Your reputation, and I know you've heard this maybe secondhand because I doubt most people are, are bold enough to tell you to your face. But you no, know, low key is difficult to work with. He'll beat you up. Uh, he's a jerk. He doesn't want to do business. Yada yada yada. So. Mm-hmm. This is what detractors say. I'm very surprised, especially over the past couple of years, how many women in the in the indie scene and, and even names and what have you, when they talk about the people who have looked out for them, who have taken the time to mentor them, and dare I say, who have protected them in the industry, your name is one of the names that's at the top of the list. Hmm. What is that all about? Because these are two totally separate concepts here. How, how can this jerk who can't do business who, who who, you know, he always, you know, stay away from that guy. He's no good or what have you. How can that guy be the guy that women in the industry have a tremendous amount of respect and honor for and, and are not afraid to articulate that to the world?
0: Fear. You just said it. They're not going to say it to my face. So they're gonna say it from somewhere else. Fear, I'm trained to do what I do and I've constantly improved because I am all in. What these kids are doing today is not all in. So this is a different level. And it's not saying that we're better, we're more experienced. So we're able to get things across much better, which is you have to excel at this So you're not running your body into the ground. So the males can sit there with their attitudes as much as they'd like. If they're not going to stand in front of me, you've got your answer. Now the women, that's where I've seen the biggest issue. Because I understand what happens in the environment if the women aren't treated correctly. I've seen it happen. If you understand how to protect the women, if you understand how to protect the men, you'll have a better environment. Why? Respect. So if the guys aren't stepping to me and telling me to my face, it's not a challenge. But you've gotten your answer. I've got no problem telling anybody to their face. And it's not because I'm challenging anybody. If I believe what I'm talking about, you're going to know. At least that's respectful. But that's what a lot of people don't want to deal with. They just want to do what they want to do and don't really care about anything else. Well, in this line of work, you messing up can affect other people, even if you weren't intending that. Why? Because it's not an isolated industry. you got to work with other people. I understand that. But notice, the people who are talking and saying things are saying things from a distance. They want an audience. I haven't said I was going to beat anybody up, but I said this off mic. Whether it's... I I can be dead broke. I'm still going to fuck you up. It's not because I'm a badass. It's because I know how to stand on my own two feet and defend myself. A lot of people don't have that belief in themselves and need to do that from a distance i'm not here to to voice an opinion i'm always going after the truth why because that's the physical olympian style you keep training you keep improving you do that physically you'll start getting an understanding mentally you start combining those two worlds now you're really having fun so this is no different than martial arts discipline olympic discipline You could do it at a super high level, but without sacrificing yourself, you got to be all in, not talk about it. And you can see it out there, which is a shame because they're still rewarding a lot of weak behaviors. And that's not fair because that has an effect on the environment. If you're not protecting the girls, the girls are not safe. You're going to have a bad environment. Pro wrestling has had problems in the past. They've since moved on, but these are still people, especially young ones. So if they don't have the proper guidance in that environment, you're going to start falling back on old habits and the old habits in this environment is that carnival culture of using people. That's why I said, it looks like somebody's using somebody. I'm protecting the girls by warning them, giving them the heads up. This is what you got to look out for why i understand the environment i've done this in and out there's a new generation of people now
1: there's a story that someone relayed to you about one of your fellow wrestlers that you spent some time with in the wwe Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge you to tell this story in public because i i don't believe you ever have before
0: that was just that was just greg's experience that he shared
1: if you don't mind, I, I'd like for you to, to articulate that story to the world here, because I think this is important for people to hear about.
0: Okay. Well, and I'll respect. I probably won't tell it as good as Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I could see his, his sense, like his, the vibe that he was giving me at that time. So I won't do it as good of uh, justice as I, I possibly can only because I'm not doing it. Like I, I can't do it exactly like him, but friend Greg, he, uh, He wanted help being a ref, so I helped him out. And last year at WrestleMania weekend, I organized multiple events throughout the day in order for us to see what it takes on the pro level. And I wanted to introduce him, introduce Stephanie Becker to that type of lifestyle. And during that Saturday, I had an appearance event at the Godfrey Hotel at Water, which is the resort that they have there. And it was wrestling themed. So uh, many of the girls from pro wrestling. We had Salina de la Renta. We had Miss Tessmacher from TNA. We had Brooke Hogan and her brother as a DJ and as a host. And then we had Layla L from WWE. Now, it was funny. No one wanted to introduce the girls, so they came to me. So I had to make an announcement trying to introduce or MC the girls into welcoming them to the crop. So after I did that, we went back and we're just hanging out poolside. Everyone's introduced to each other except Greg. Greg came up to me and asked me and goes, hey, man, it's like, would you mind introducing me to Layla? I'm like, why? What's up? He's like, I think she's kind of like uncertain because no one's introduced me or or it hasn't, you know, she just doesn't know who I am. I'm like, okay. So I went and introduced her. Uh, excuse me. I introduced Greg to, to Layla. Going, this is Greg, my ref. And this is Layla. So shook hands. whole demeanor changed because it wasn't as defensive. So everyone's hanging out. Eventually, clouds started coming through and it started raining. So when it started raining, we had to go indoors. We ended up going indoors. And... Some of the the rooms available was heavily crowded with people. But at one point, Greg tells me that he was in the room with him, uh, with all of us. There was a whole bunch of people in there. And at one point, he was just face-to-face just talking to Layla. And I'm like, all right, cool. And he goes, I don't think you understand how much respect they got for you. like, why? She goes, she told me that when you guys were in WWE together, She said that you protected them. And he was like, that was pretty cool to hear because she just came out and said it. You can see when I was in WWE, I was trying to protect the girls. I was trying to protect Michelle and Layla. You can see that that physical posture when I wrestled Husky Harris. And at one point, he advanced on them and I put them behind me. What I'm doing is instinctual. But, in the environment that we're in, you're not seeing that. And that's an issue of respect. With pro wrestling, I've been in Japan. I've seen that some of the pro wrestling women from the 90s, they get respect. Why? They physically can do this. In the environment that I'm seeing now, it's emphasizing their appearance more so than their physical competency. If their physical competency is up to par... You're going to see the respect for them. Why? Look at pro fighting. Look at the UFC women. Those are some really, really highly skilled individuals. And they can get busy because they're all different. That's what we're supposed to have. Because they're not all supposed to be the same. Especially in their training. These are different people. But the way to get to them is you tell them the truth. I did that for Selena. I did that for Layla. I did that for... Um, the other Layla, I tell them the truth. It's the easiest thing on how to protect them. You tell them the truth, they're going to have an understanding for it, but you protect them with the truth. The environment is very immature, so they're going to repeat a lot of the same behaviors from just inexperience. experience, let alone the fact that it's not really a matured environment to begin with anymore. There used to be stages to this. So if you're not going through the stages of advancement, you're going to run the risk of destabilizing the integrity. So just even as a business structure, just like you would as a machine for your body, you have to have this well organized. I understand how to do that because I used to run clubs. I had to change the culture of a place because we had to protect the girls. We had to protect the women. If it is unsafe and the people are disrespectful to them, it's not going to work. Look at what's going on. We talked about this off mic. There is a soft, soft acceptance to abuse towards women. Why do I say that? You're having more frequently male pro wrestlers wrestling female pro wrestlers. Keep the divisions separate. Why? Because a little girl's not going to understand why that guy did a running dropkick to a girl's face. You've got to understand what you're doing. There's a level of integrity you must maintain. And there's lines you do not cross. You're sitting there power bombing a girl. Okay, now what? You just power bomb a girl. Explain that to the girl in the crowd, or explain that to the girl on TV on watching this at, on TV. Potentially go do that to their their sister. Protect the girls. It's not that difficult. But if you don't have the right attitudes in that environment, you're gonna have problems. Best way to do it: tell them the truth. I got sisters.
1: I'm a serious guy. I'm a very serious guy. Um, my my demeanor, my attitude towards life, it, it's affected by the things that I've had to experience. There's no two ways about that. At a very young age, I saw, you know, a, a lot of love and 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 support and what have you, which built my confidence. But I also saw a lot of violence, and I saw addiction mm-hmm. at a very young age. By by the time I was nine years old, I saw more violence than I hope most people hopefully they'll never have to see in their lives that's just the truth of it
0: yeah
1: uh, including death what is it about you because I, this is this is the most frequent question that i received from my listeners when i let them know that i'm going to have you on the show the most frequent question i got is why the hell is he so serious so what is it why are you so serious all the time low key we, Brandon, where does this come from? Whose
0: body is it?
1: Oh, it's yours, right?
0: Yeah. So, I'm a professional wrestler. I'm a main event wrestler. I'm not a dancing monkey for anybody. That's the culture. You stop stop treating people as if they're people. You just ask a question like you just asked. This is my physical body. So if at any point it turns into that dance monkey dance attitude, I see what's coming. Why? I'm not bullshitting anybody. The carnival culture is full of it. I'm technically competent. Read up on Gary Hart. He knew what he was doing. You want to be a star or you want to be a main event wrestler? I'm a main event wrestler. I can go anywhere in the world and match up against legends. Not because I say so. I'm physically experienced enough to do it. So, this is my body. When that red light goes off, my body doesn't. So, it's that simple of a balance of respect. Most of the people talking are talking from a distance. I'm not the baddest dude around. And I'm not acting like it. But I will protect myself and my position because i know what i'm doing i'm trained so this arrogance that we're seeing from people a lot of it is coming because they haven't been put on their ass they're running their mouths in this craft because that's what this is supposed to be but that's not what you're seeing you're seeing a lot of shortcuts You're seeing a lot of just do what's required. Because this is your physical body, how many do you have on standby? So why would I be playing games with my body because of the opinions of other people who don't care about my body? It's not an issue of a challenge, but you have to articulate the point. This concept that's been allowed to develop into this culture is the dance monkey dance attitude. That's the carnival performer. A lot of what you're seeing is not technically competent, takes time to mature. Takes a lot of practice, but because I'm not doing what you want, I got to hear your mouth. I got to hear your attitude, but it's not your body. You see, I'm not trying to fight anybody. I'm allowing them to get it off. And after the dust clears, I'm still standing here.
1: I tell you, man, you, when, when you hear the real thing, you, you know, and you certainly believe it. Uh, there's no two ways about that. I want to ask belief, you. It's not
0: belief. It's discovery of truth off
1: of practice. acceptance of truth.
0: That's the difference there. That's the hard part for a lot of people because they're participating in a culture. Now you asked me off mic. Being in WWE, I understood the environment. The only way for me to survive in that type of environment was to physically outperform. I couldn't sit there and waste time talking. That's what they're structured for. So physically in the ring, I had to outclass everybody. That wasn't done just by winging it. I had to train for that. These guys are racehorses. See how big they are? Now I got to be in there with them. So, there's a physical competency to understand that when you're making a point, this is not opining. This is not an opinion. This is truth. This is, I know. A lot of people don't understand what they're getting themselves into, they're imitating and not knowing. So, when they come across somebody who knows what they're doing, they seem to have an issue because they're not accepting. That somebody may know more than their current position. And it's not because I'm a badass. It's because I am trained and I still improve. It's the difference with what I said earlier about the 100%ers versus the 99. They're going to try to convince you that they're all in. I'm going to show you. So even me in my older career, I'm still matching up against killers. Why? I still train. 2016, I went hypothermic trying to swim Alcatraz. I still train. So there's a difference between what you're seeing and they're trying to convince you how good they are rather than showing you. Because there's levels to this. It's a craft. So with the opinions and the negative things, that's funny because the people that I work with and that I speak with, they look pretty damn good, don't they? Because I know what I'm doing. So this is what you're running into on a constant basis. They're not going to tell you to your face. They're going to go run somewhere else and run their mouths. If you allow that type of environment to, to manifest, you're removing the professionalism because they're doing too much time talking and not, um, not enough time doing Especially, you can see who's a leader and who's not because of how much they're trying to convince you of something. I'm not trying to convince anybody. I still compete against my opponents. Why? I am trained. So, it's not, it's not a, a sale. I'm not trying to sell you on an idea. I'm telling you the truth. So, the accepting part is the hardest part for most people.
1: There's a discussion going on right now about Ring of Honor, and and it's Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, and Mm -hmm. certainly there's a lot of names that get tossed around who have passed through there through the past 20 years or what have you. I was at the first Ring of Honor show, The Era of Honor Begins, Mm -hmm. and and you and I discussed this uh, privately. I was there. I saw you in the main event. Including a lot of other folks that I know that um, a number of them that you're still close with and and would have you here, which is really cool. If you had a vote, who would be the first person that you would put into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame and why?
0: Daniels. Daniels was the glue. His experience at that time. That was what pulled a lot together between me and Dragon. All of us had been wrestling each other on the independence at that time, but putting that together um, at a competitive level at that time. And it, I mean, it had to be Daniels because with that type of guidance of being all in, just like us and understanding the craft, the craftiness of what we need to do. I think he takes the key. He takes the first one.
1: Christopher Daniels, and you, you said you said Dragon, mm-hmm. um, just mentioned him in reference there. Which that's Brian Danielson, and you, mm-hmm. low key, the three of you were in the main event at that first event. Mm-hmm. Do you take any pride in that on a personal level? The fact that you know this this company that has lasted for as long as it has. And I know that it's going through a, a whole other transition, just like it has through the years, but the, the brand still technically exists. Do you take any pride mm-hmm. in the fact that you were in that main event? Because make no mistake about it. Part of the reason why certain people were on that card, and that's really the majority of that card, is because the fans, we were letting the promoter know if there was going to be a super wrestling card. These were the the indie stars that we would love to see on one wrestling card. If we could ever have a super card, we wanted to see Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel. We wanted to see low key. We wanted to see the American dragon. Do you take any pride in the fact that you were in that main event and that you were revered to that level 20 years ago?
0: Not necessarily. No, that's what I'm supposed to do. You can tell the difference between the people who want it more than others. Especially in the proper context. They really want to do well. There's a difference. That's why there's main event. And then there's the rest of the card. The main event is what people want to see. Why? These guys are at a higher level. It doesn't happen by accident. There's something special about them. They care. So now you got three individuals at that time of varying experience, varying style, and they're competitive. They're intelligent. They're, they're not playing. So the old saying is you're only as good as your competition. When you got that high level competition, that's when you get magic because these guys know what they're doing. They're trained. So there's, there's a lot of simple ideas as far as taking pride, I couldn't have done it without those two because it was a perfect fit for us. I think somebody said in the past that me and Dragon was like Ken and Ryu or Ken and Ryu. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, nuance to the pairing, but it was because we were developed at different times, but matched up very well together. Why? We're competitive. We care about what we're doing.
1: And and listen, I second that. Ken and, and Ryu, for sure. Uh, you and Dragon, one one hundred percent. Even to this day, I mean, that's the irony of it. You both are still hell. You're better today than you were back then because your your mind, what mm-hmm. you've seen and what you've experienced, your mind is even stronger. You you learned more, and you guys were main eventing back then. Two mm-hmm. young pups breaking in, <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of irony in that. June eleventh and twelfth of this year. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville Fairgrounds, the River City Wrestling Convention. There's going to be a lot of names there. I'm hearing some rumors that uh, the man known as Low Key may actually uh, poke his head in there. Is, is it possible that we're going to see you at the the River City Wrestling Con this year?
0: Well, it's possible. I always tell everybody, I'm the shadow everyone has. Uh, I think there may be a chance, but we'll know we'll know in due time.
1: Well, I'm telling everybody out there, River City Wrestling Con, June 11th and 12th, Jacksonville Fairgrounds. Uh, you, you definitely want to make it out there. There's going to be a lot of stars from yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we may get a low key, not only a low key sighting, but you know there may be some ass that needs to be kicked by the man known as low key. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that. Listen, let everybody know what's the best way that people can keep up with you and what you have going on, especially as it pertains to events to see you at, or even, you know, a lot of our, our audience are wrestlers who they may have been trained quote unquote by Johnny so-and-so who took their money Mm -hmm. And, you know, then these folks get into the ring and realize that they don't know wrist watch from a from a wrist lock, so to speak. For for anyone who wants to get some proper training and, and to understand what it means to respect yourselves and respect the craft, respect your opponents. What's the best way anyone can keep up with you, get in touch with you, the whole nine yards?
0: I limit my my social media for a particular reason. I want to be effective, but more so. I don't have a lot of time on that. So the stuff that I've put out is usually just set and you do have access to, which is I'm on the telegram app at the professional LK as the handle. Um, as far as the, the training, this is what I meant about the truth. You understand the truth when you're trained properly. I understand it because I'm trained properly. I've had a handful of people come to me about wanting true training. I understand because I've done this, and I continue to do this and understand what's required. If you're interested in doing so, you can actually go to another Telegram page, and it's called P-U-R-O, control system, if not CS. and visited visit by a dog, excuse me. Um, that would be for my organized, structured discipline that I teach my kids. regards to professional wrestling i'm teaching people to become main event wrestlers why i understand how to do it firsthand so if you're interested contact me through those two on telegram if not i am i l p r o f e s i o n a l e it's italian il professionale on gab you can send me a message there if not I still have the Twitter handle of One World Warrior. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. I'll do my best to, to return the, the message when I can. But this is the important thing about what you're doing. This is your body. If you're going to do this seriously, you got to understand how to take care of it. You got to understand how to train properly. This is not a game because how many bodies do you have?
1: Well said. Well said. Listen, Loki, you're, you're somebody who. I have a tremendous amount of respect for. There are very few people who, who walk it like they talk it. And you're certainly one of those people. And I, I can only respect that. So I appreciate all that you have given to the wrestling industry. And again, I, I interview a lot of people, especially a lot of indie folks. I'm not just out here trying to chase uh, big names like yourself, but I, I do care enough about this next generation coming up. And, mm-hmm. you know, giving them a boost, have them have their first podcast episodes and what have you and, and get used to communicating to the fans in this this modern era, so to speak. And your name pops up so much, especially with with women who are training in the industry, because mm-hmm. like you said, it, it, it's an industry that can be um, insensitive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and carny and ridiculous. And, and they target people, especially mm-hmm. women try to sexualize them, take advantage of them mm-hmm. and that starts even at the training level Breaking into yes. the industry they run into these problems. so it's it's very interesting to hear people talk about their experiences with you and how no this dude like he looks out for us and he's always mentoring us and when we even when we see him at shows, he he will take his personal time that we know he's busy but he will take his personal time. And and speak to us and make sure that, you know, we stay focused on what we're doing and what have you. And it's like, damn, that doesn't sound like the guy who's who's bad business and who's a jerk and who, you know, no one can get along with what have you. It doesn't sound like that guy at all. Let me let me ask you this, because I know you don't do a lot of podcast interviews. Let's say that you decide, you know what, I'm done. I did my I did my podcast for the next 20 years. I'm done. Let's say this is the last one of the last times you do a podcast interview because you got a million other things to do. Mm -hmm. How do you want people to remember your legacy, especially in the wrestling industry? How do you want low key to be remembered?
0: Well, I wasn't wanting to be remembered. I loved what I do so much that I'm committing all in. The fact that you're seeing me do this and articulate it at such a high level, you're getting a chance to see how much I love it. I'm not asking to be remembered, but look at what I did while I was here. I spoke the truth. So I'm trying to lead by example. That's how you really do this. But you have to work hard. I do. I still do. I gotta be able to outlast everybody. Why? I'm not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, I'm not even the most intelligent guy. As traditional wrestlers, we gotta be able to outlast our opponents. That may be the only thing you got left. So you do that by learning. It's not a it's not a, a weird formula. You gotta be able to learn. A lot of people don't want to learn. I had somebody tell me that this is this is all that I know. I go, no, that's not. That's not even true. You're choosing to say that. This is all that I know. No, you're afraid to learn. That's not the truth. You're cutting yourself off. Fear. I'm not doing that in this. I'm all in. Got my size. I've been in there with Big Show. I've been in there with Akebono. Monsters. Held my own. Why? You know what I'm doing? The shortcut system has to stop. <laughs> Mr. Tony Schiavone,
1: and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>